Today, you are going to get a front row seat to the ultimate breakdown of how the Springboks beat England in the 2023 Rugby World Cup semi-final. Let's not pretend otherwise, guys. This was a burgled victory for the Springboks. It was daylight robbery, if you like. But in the end, South Africa will play the old enemy New Zealand for the right to a fourth Rugby World Cup title. Now, before the match, I predicted a 20-point victory for South Africa. I was very much mistaken. My confidence stemmed from the fact that England had actually had quite a poor tournament up until this point. I did think that they would bring their A game, but I thought that maybe it would be a case of them pushing the South Africans for about 60 minutes or so, and then ultimately the South African bomb squad would take over and see the boys home quite comfortably. But that was not to be the case. England came out fighting. They were determined to reach the final, and they brought their A game, and the South Africans were under so much pressure that they didn't quite know how to deal with it. The box looked very flat, it has to be said. I'm not sure why that was the case. I don't think that the South Africans underestimated the English, maybe the fans and the media, but not the players. It was evident from the start that the English were going to employ kicking tactics. We saw Alex Mitchell used to great effect from that point of view for the English with his box kicks very early on in the encounter. In fact, if you ask me, they looked a lot like a 2019 South Africa. Further to that, when the aerial challenge came from the other side, the likes of Elliot Daly, Johnny May and Freddie Stewart were very adept at dealing with it. Freddie Stewart in particular, I thought, had a great game at fullback for England. As early as the second minute, Mauro Itoje stole line-out ball off Bongium Banambi, who, it has to be said, didn't have his best game in a Springbok jersey. And you were almost left wondering... Who exactly is on this field? Because Bongi really is Mr. Reliable. I can't remember the last time I saw him having an average or a mediocre game for the Springboks. So it really was something that was difficult to fathom. But as it turned out, by my count, Bongi was blown up three times for a skew throw at the lineout. And a further three occasions, he had balls stolen from him at the lineout. That's the kind of thing that you just don't see. But we will talk a little bit more about Bongi Mbanambi a little bit later in this video. And with all of that going on, England was 6-0 ahead after 9 minutes. The Springboks did have two kickable penalties in the next 5 minutes, but interestingly, Captain Sia Khaleesi chose to go for touch on both occasions, Marnie Leboc obliging. But what was perhaps of more concern was the fact that when we did win those lineouts, we couldn't actually get our maul going. The maul proved very ineffective, and England dealt with it very comfortably. That is the kind of thing that, as a Springbok supporter, concerns me. We haven't really seen the Bok maul being used to great effect during this World Cup. Some people have been saying that maybe it's being kept away and it'll be unleashed come the final. Well, we saw some more mauling last night, but not really the kind of Springbok maul that we are used to. And I'm sure it's something that Russi and Jock Nenava will sort out in the week. But again, it's not a great look. Nevertheless, Marnie did half the deficit on 20 minutes. And so the score was 6-3, even though England were very much on top at that stage. And then two minutes later, Damien Willemser made an error. A loose pass resulted in England capitalizing, and we were quite lucky that they were not able to score a try off that error. And 
I'm going to say this, I don't really want to say it too loud, but it's the kind of thing that you expect the All Blacks would have capitalized on with five or even seven points, but we don't have to go there right now, not for the purposes of this video anyway. It was sloppy stuff from the Springboks, who found themselves 9-3 down just a minute later. The line-out woes continued, this time Courtney Laws picked Bongi Mbunambi. There was also a big hit from Elliot Daly, and all of these little things combined gave you the sense that the English were not only up for this game, but they were on top and they were dominating. It epitomized the England attitude on the night. It was not looking good for South Africa, and so on 30 minutes, Andre Pollard came on to replace Marnie LeBoc. Quite a ruthless move from the Bok coaches, but if there's one thing that we have seen over the years from Rassi Erasmus and Jock Ninarber is that these men are not afraid to make a big call. And replacing your fly half after half an hour is as big a call as it gets. Four minutes later, we won a turnover, built momentum, won the penalty, Andre Pollard slotted it, and the score was 9-6. But then, bizarrely, before halftime, Peter Steph de Toy was penalized for obstruction. Now, if you watch that back, he's not actually anywhere near the players that are contesting for the ball. And so you have to wonder what exactly was it that Ben O'Keefe was seeing. Now, there was a bit of referee bashing from both sides, I noticed last night on social media, particularly the toxic platform known as X these days. And I just think if the English fans were moaning about O'Keefe and the South African fans were moaning about O'Keefe, then maybe it wasn't as bad as what either set of fans think it was. Again, I've said this in the preview video, I don't have any serious problems with O'Keefe. I do think that O'Keefe misses things from time to time, and that can obviously have a detrimental effect. But I think that largely he is one of the better referees out there. That said, I don't think that either set of fans would agree with my assessment of Ben O'Keefe at this stage. Nevertheless, Peter Steph Detroit bizarrely penalised. Owen Farrell slots the penalty, and it's 12-6 to England at halftime. Do you really know your rugby? Do you always get your predictions right? Why not make some money then? Open an account right now with Tic Tac Bets and get up to 2,000 Rand and 20 spins with your first deposit. The link is appearing on your screen, and I'll also put it in the description area. Please note that this is an affiliate link and I will make a little commission on it. Winners know when to stop. National Responsible Gambling Program. Toll-free helpline 0800-006-008. No persons under the age of 18 years are permitted to gamble. Within five second half minutes, Faf de Klerk, Vili Leroux and Adgir Sneeman were on the field. Three minutes later, Oxen Chair came on to the park, but Freddie Stewart, among others, looked as comfortable as ever. Obviously, Freddie doesn't compete against Ox uh, in a direct manner, but I just wanted to point out again what a good game Freddie was having for England at fullback. Possibly a man of the match contender, along with Mauro Itoje and Courtney Laws, in my opinion. Then on 50 minutes, Dion Fury and Kwaka Smith were on, and five minutes later, the bench had been completely emptied for South Africa, with Vincent Koch joining the fray. But before Vincent came onto the field, we finally saw a sign of life from the Springboks. We won a scrum in dominant fashion. That might have a lot to do with Ox and Chair, by the way. And from the breakaway, we looked like we might actually score a try. Vili LaRue with a little bit of a cross kick that Cheslin Colby just couldn't get to. To be fair to Cheslin, the kick from Vili was a little bit heavy. But that was the first time in the entire match that South Africa looked even close to crossing the English line. And perhaps you could argue that it was a half chance. 
Nevertheless, had the kick not been as heavy, Cheslin Colby would have been in business, but he wasn't. And by the time Vincent Koch did come on, Owen Farrell had slotted a drop goal to make the score 15-6, and it was starting to feel as if that English dominance was going to pay off. They were on top, and they were on their way to victory. It was not a good time to be a Springbok fan. They were better in every area on the park, in my opinion. They gained parity in the scrums, competed well in the lineouts, certainly disrupted it, and they were competitive at the breakdown. Again, Courtney Laws is a man I'd like to single out, as being particularly effective in my opinion. Their aerial game was working to great effect, their defence was very good, and they were very much on top. But when you are the world champions, you do tend to find a way. And so, except for that one Vili LaRue Cheslin Colby moment, for 68 minutes it didn't look like South Africa were anywhere close to scoring a try. But then things changed. From a lineup, Dion Ferry broke away, and Archia Sneeman was the man who barged his way over the try line. Andre Pollard duly converted. It was 15 13, and it was game on. Now, I said earlier that Bongi was not having his best match in a Springbok jersey, but again, champion players, like champion teams, step up in the big moments. We had a scrum just inside the English half, and partnered with Vincent Koch and the irrepressible Oxen chair, we forced a scrum penalty from about 45 meters out. Andre Pollard stepped up, put the ball through the middle of the posts, and the Springboks were in the lead. 16-15 with four minutes to play. And it stayed that way. Was it a well-deserved victory? I don't think we can say that. In my view, England would have been worthy winners. They were terrible in the tournament up until the semi-final, and you have to wonder that had it not been for the way the draw was structured, would they even have got to the final four? But they played their best match of the tournament when it counted, and they came agonizingly close. The South Africans were flat, and scraped through by the skin of their teeth. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? You can click on my Patreon link, I'll put it on the screen as well as in the description box, and there will be great benefits for members. Possibly the best thing about this Springbok performance was, despite being behind the eight ball for 75 minutes at least, they didn't let the scoreboard actually get away from them. And that might also have to do with the fact that the English are not the kind of team that would necessarily be running away with a match by 20 points, not against an opponent like South Africa. But again, that's not what would happen against New Zealand, so we have to be very wary of that. But again, I do think that Russi and Jock will be sure to drill that message home in this week. At the end of the day, a win is a win, and we are in the final. And for the first time since 1995, once again, the Springboks and the All Blacks, the old enemies, will do battle with the winner taking home the Webb Ellis Cup. We'll certainly have to step up in every area against New Zealand. We cannot afford a sleepy start against the All Blacks, or that match will be over inside 20 minutes, kind of like what we saw at the Mount Smart Stadium earlier this year in the Rugby Championship. That said, I don't think we'll see a repeat of last night. So what do you think? What was your take on the way that the Springboks went about defeating England, or should we say, burgling the win from the English in the dying moments? Let me know in the comment section what you think. See you next time.